night, folks. I'm Alan Watt, cutting through the matrix. And sure enough, I've seen the future in its murder. And by that, I'm not kidding. The things that have been happening, um, when you find out that so much of the illness and disease that's hit humanity since the last 50 years or so has been deliberate, and this is going to come out, it's going to come out, it'll be all hell to pay. And that's why it's one of the reasons, apart from all the monetary collapse they planned long ago, they've been building up internal armies under the guise of future terrorism in the Western world is for all the mayhem that's going to come about when the people start to wake up to what's really, really been going on. And there's so much has been going on. We've been living a nightmare in reality where even the depressions, and I mean depressions, not recessions, as I like to call the R word. Why not use the D word? That they had in Europe, especially Britain, for 25, almost 30 years after World War II were planned that way because they signed deals at the end of World War II to deindustrialize Britain over a 30-odd to 40-year span and not tell the public about it. And sure enough, I lived through that. I grew up through that, watching factory after factory just go under. Every, every day in the news, there was thousands more laid off. So many people were on welfare. Margaret Thatcher got up and says, there's a generation growing up now that will never see work in their lifetime. They get used to it said in a very haughty, haughty way. And uh, that's the sort of planning they do. Uh, What they call that is, well, you're making an omelette and you can't make an omelette without breaking eggs. So all the problems and the sorrow and suffering that they went through all those years and generations, well, it was just too bad. It was for a good cause to get the plan underway. That's how the world is actually run. And Mr. Rockefeller said the same thing at one of his meetings. Uh, I think it was the Earth Summit. You can't make an, an omelette without breaking eggs. That's after they stated about you, this present generation were the cannon fodder to bring all this about, this new world system. The people living now are just a cannon fodder, unfortunately. So there you go. That's how it's reworked really uh, and seen. Uh, that's how they see the whole world view at the top. We're just cannon fodder for their agenda and the suffering and mayhem and sorrow that we go through is, well, just too bad, isn't it? It's just too bad. That's the reality of the world you're living in. Nothing but nothing happens by chance. We forget that the New American Century Group, the project for a New American Century, look it up, or the, this group, this group that were not in politics at the time, had all been in politics, of course, who formed the group New American Century put out project for a new American century in the 90s, and I think Wolf of Woods is the guy who wrote it at the beginning. The first one was published in about 92, then it was taken back and re- rewritten a little bit, changed here and there, updated, and put out in 98 again, with the need, it said, to take over countries in the Middle East. But they wanted to take over Afghanistan first, and sure enough, that's where Ben Laden, the caveman, was hiding, remember? The guy who did it all, oh, the caveman from, from Afghanistan. And so they, they went into Afghanistan first. And then they changed sites and moved to Iraq. And we went through all that fiasco. And even the media in Canada, they told us that within one year, they convinced the American public, this is the Canadian media, saying that the American media had managed to convince the American public 
that, uh, that Hussein was behind 9-11. Utter lies, utter fiction, but they did a good job in it. In one year, and people didn't notice that the sites, the target sites had been changed from Afghanistan to Iraq. And after an inquiry on live television, George Bush said, during the inquiry on, Af- on Iraq, why they attacked it, he says, oh, no, I didn't say anything of the kind. I never said that Hussein was behind 9-11. I just think that the world's a better place with, without Saddam Hussein. That's what, he, that's what he said. The world's a better place without him. But after Iraq, they had to, they had to down a new American century plan to, to go after Iran. And Syria was to follow Iran. And here they are going through the whole script, planning it all, publishing it before 9-11 happened. And they're following it all. And everyone is going dumbly along with us. Dumbly along. And we've all been trained. And I don't know if it's just the modern person is so disconnected and empathy from other people across the planet or what's happened to them. Is it the modified food? Is it all the inoculations? Is it the daily spraying they're all subjected to that's happened to to do with this empathy part of the brain? Because no one seems to care. No one seems to care. Of course, they'll get all these strategic strikes and smart bombs and stuff on television if they go into Iran, which is all lies to start with, because under total war, and this has been proven uh, since they've gone into Iraq, they destroyed the infrastructure of the entire country, and that meant all water supplies were blown up, all piping was blown up, food plants were all blown up, babies' food stuff was all blown up as well. Their their, their main plants for that. Their, Their medicine and laboratory areas were blown up, not because we're creating any sort of nasty disease, no, but because it created medicine. Anything that kept the people alive was to be destroyed under total war, and that's the agenda that they have for Iran as well. And no one seems to care. No one seems to care. Everybody's too happy back home, uh, buying their Chinese junk, uh, rewarding themselves every month for working hard, just like trained rats, uh, Pavlovian style, I've worked hard, I deserve this. Like all the old dads used to say, you deserve it. And they've started to believe it. They're so indoctrinated, they believe it. Until the junk, uh, they buy the junk and it falls apart and doesn't mean them happy after all. But that's the cons that were sold. One lie after another. And as I say, it's big gangs coupled with science is in control of the world today, especially the science of the mind. And that's what Bertrand Russell said. He said, one day will be able to convince the public of anything, anything with scientific means. And it's happened. It doesn't take much convincing because you have a public today that really doesn't care. Even though when Rumsfeld and these big boys mention a new world order, a new world order, that includes them too. And this big eating machine that's going to run the planet right now is going to come home as well because they include the peasants in every country, every country, no exceptions, including the ones back in the U.S. and in Canada. And they'll come round, this big eating machine will come round to us. And I've always said, when they're finishing off the Middle East, finishing off the last part of the standardization of the world, where they eliminate any competing system, anything that's different at all is to be eliminated and there's only one system left. There can be only one, as a cry at the top, and in a lot of movies too. Then, then, then they go after you. Then they go after you because they have no more care for you, the American, Canadian, British, French, or any other peasant, as they do for the peasant of China. They're so far removed from you in their lifestyle and the way they've been brought up. 
and their worldview that they have nothing in common with you. Nothing at all. And that's where their lives are so transparent. We've watched the, the whole gambit of weapons of mass destruction. Remember what they said, we shall win by slogans? I think it was Lenin said that. Well, they've adopted all that stuff too. And they come out and they yap these slogans repetitively ad nauseum until we're seeing it in our sleep. And uh, it was all lies, weapons of mass destruction. And everything they showed us was lies too. There the are smart strikes at this place and that place. Meanwhile, it, it literally made sure that the people wouldn't have clean water to drink for maybe years. They'd blown everything up. Water, food, medicine. That's what you go after in today's world. That's the real world we live in. And the whole art of total warfare was discussed and brought to fruition and finalized in its present form at Sandhurst training for officers as a training officers for British Army before World War II started. And it's still taught today. Now, in ancient times to the present times, you've got their food and water first of all. Because if you control the food and the water when you're besieging someone, you've got them where you want them. Eventually they capitulate and they beg you for a drink of water or something to eat or they eat each other, as Mr. Brzezinski said. And that's what he did say to an interview in a magazine. He said, what he thought of the general public, how much will the general public take? And Brzezinski, remember he, he was up there in the State Department and all the other departments too. He said... The public, you have no fear from the public, he says. You can beat them, you can starve them, he says. Will they turn around and revolt? He says, no, they'll just turn around and eat their dead. That's what he thought of the public. Yeah, not kidding. These are the sort of creeps and characters that are up there deciding all of our fates for us. These are the characters that talked about using psychotronic warfare. It read his book, Between Two Ages, in the chapter entitled Technotronic Era. He wrote about it. See, shortly a, a technique will be used on the public, a science. It's talking about scalar weaponry. And it would affect the minds and the mindset of entire continents. And keep all the people happy. Keep them all happy and dumb. And it's being done as part of the HARP technology. They did not build 50-odd plants worldwide to take photographs and admire them. It made them to use and they are using the scalar weaponry and the weather warfare. Four years ago, the U.S. papers had the Air Force come out with a big, big statement, and they said, shortly, the U.S. will own the weather. Own the weather. Not try to, but own the weather. And it's happened. We get sprayed like bugs every day all over the planet here right now. You watch them doing it. They try to tell you it's condensation trails. But they forget the source has memories. We have memories of what condensation trails were and how they evaporated about a minute later. These things go right across the sky and come down and everyone gets bronchitis and lots of people get very, very tired. We're being sprayed like bugs and there is some sort of global system that had to be making this stuff for 50-odd years in order to use it and start off using it 10 years ago almost in the quantities that they have been using it. That's what's done to the public. We're the last ever to know what's been going on. That's your open society for you. We're kept in the dark like mushrooms and fed you-know-what. That's the reality of democracy as we know it. 
and talking of taking over food there's a little bit I have here from it's a site it's called Parallel Normal so punch in Parallel Normal that's parallelnormal.com all one word and it's written by Mark Bar, uh, Mark Bard who is a, a professional journalist he writes for the Boston Globe and other papers and he has been trying to put out stuff to the public that really, really does matter and he has from November the 2nd 2007 uh, this on his particular site parallelnormal.com world food supply will be rooted in India's troubled soil the Rothschild family is pushing Indian produce onto the global market also how Evelyn this is Robert Rothschild um, met Lynn at Bilderberger with a little help from Henry it says whose peas are these many of the Rothschild's Indian farms are in areas where arsenic this is true it's been the papers too has poisoned much of the soil and groundwater. Tomatoes and carrots from Rajasthan, zucchini and baby corn from Kashapur. Europeans and the Japanese will soon be eating Western variety of vegetables grown in parts of India where people get sick just from drinking the water. The Rothschild family is preparing to make India one of the world's largest exporters of produce at cost likely to push native farmers in many countries off the farm. In a fawning, almost surreal October interview with Lynn Forrester de Rothschild, she married, I think it was, who was it? Edward, I think it was Edward Edwin. Uh, Lynn Forrester de Rothschild, there's got a link below, uh, Conde Nast Portfolio, that's the other magazine, Conde Nast Portfolio, reports the Rothschild family plans to grow and export Indian fruits and vegetables from markets in Europe and Asia. The portfolio interviewer, Lloyd Grove, also relates how Lady de Rothschild first met her husband, Sir Evelyn, Evelyn Rothschild. Sir Evelyn, Sir Evelyn, Ethel Evelyn was a woman's name. Well, never know these days, especially with this particular crew. Sir Evelyn Rothschild, Henry Kissinger, <laughs> Grove writes, brought the two together at the 1998 Bilderberger meeting. Japan and the United States already serve as the test markets for Indian produce. Well, good luck down there in the U.S. Don't eat that stuff if I were you. India exports tens of thousands of tons of mangoes annually to Japan, as well as Britain and other European countries. The United States in May began accepting shipments of irradiated mangoes from India. First U.S. imports of irradiated food. And I'll be back with more of this stuff after these messages. And he's six feet four He fights with missiles and with spears He's all of 31 And he's only 17 He's been a soldier for a thousand years He's a Catholic, a Hindu, an atheist, a Jain A Buddhist and a Baptist and a Jew and he knows he shouldn't kill And he knows he always will Kill you for me, my friend, and me for you And he's fighting for Canada 
He's fighting for France. He's fighting for the USA. And he's fighting for the Russians. And he's fighting for Japan. And he thinks we'll put an end to war this way. And he's fighting for democracy. He's fighting for the Reds. He says it's for the peace of all. He's the one who must decide who's to live and who's to die, and he never sees the writing on the wall. But without him, how would Hitler have condemned him at Laval? Without him, Caesar would have stood alone. He's the one who gives his body as a weapon of the war, and without him, all this killing can't go on. He's the universal soldier, and he really is to blame. His orders come from far away no more. They come from here and there, and you and me, and brothers. Can't you see? This is not the way we put the end to war. Hi, folks. Alan Watt back with cutting through the matrix. And sure enough, the big boys always count on the next generation of young fellows growing up. There's young ladies too now, apparently. They want to go out and kill people, wear uniforms and feel proud and have some respect given them back home. And it's strange that they've no respect before they put on that uniform and suddenly they're respected by all and that comes from the top down for social approval. And they are all part of the problem. It's not that they're much, much older. Hopefully, they'll go through the books and find out what they've really been part in, what they've taken part in, what they've done, and what it was all really for, and is for the benefit of a few, and their plans, and all the stuff that they're given at the time, all the propaganda, is just that, it's propaganda. That's the history of war. Wars are economic wars for the few to grab and plunder someone else's land. That's the history of it. Getting back to this article on ParallelNormal.com about the Rothschilds setting up. Now, it's amazing. Go back just about uh, four or five years ago in India. They were having riots in India. The farmers there, they'd grown their, their own food for hundreds of generations and with using their own seed. And in came Monsanto and the big boys pushed by the U.S. corporations and U.S. money and tried to force them to take the modified food or seed and this seed, of course, you have to go back to the master every year. You can't collect it and reuse it. It was the Terminator gene is in it. You, you can't save seed to replant it. So you're dependent upon the master, your new master. And they really pushed out on the, on the people of India. They even put a massive advertising campaigns aimed at the women, unfortunately, and showed them your hands if you're working in the fields, taking care of all this stuff. And they showed you the lady with the wonderful hands because she didn't have to go out and do that because all the weed killer and chemicals that comes with it, they can pour onto the, the, the fruit and vegetables, will take care of all that hard work for you. You won't have to pick the bugs off. And so they got their way. And now that they've got their way, uh, the Rothschilds are in there, of course. They always go in after a killing, a fast killing, as they say. And uh, they're now owning all the big, big farms, big corporate farms they put little guys under, which is a trademark of Rothschilds and people of their ilk. They call it free enterprise, but really it's just organized plunder. And now they're bringing all this food back into the West, especially Canada, the States, 
and it says uh, the United States in May began accepting shipments of ir- irradiated mangoes from India, the first U.S. imports of irradiated fruit, so they're irradiating it as well. Also, the USDA's certified organic food products grown in India and certified by Indian agents, mind you, will soon be flowing into the U.S., according to the U.S. State Department. The Rothschild's Indian produce firm called Field Fresh Foods is leasing tens of thousands of acres throughout India, including some in areas where arsenic has poisoned the soil and groundwater. The company predicts it will be growing on 100,000 acres by 2010. Field Fresh says its operations comply with multiple food safety standards. Well, of course, they do because they have their own men at the top of all those standard committees. But enforcement in developing countries is notoriously weak. Some Indian scientists, meanwhile, are trying to develop genetically modified rice and other vegetables that will absorb less arsenic from contaminated soil and irrigation systems. So there you are, the Rothschilds at it again. I remember uh, the first main Rothschild that took over the British uh, system. He was brought in, by the way. He didn't just walk over and take it over. They'd have killed him. And... uh, he said, when he was asked how you make your, your the main money that you make, when is the time to do it? He says, when the blood is flowing in the streets, they love wars, etc. And when they can't get wars, they simply pay off all the guys at the top that do with licensing and regulating laws. Very simple when you've got that kind of money. The, the laws that affect the general population don't affect these people at the top because they have to be tried by juries of their peers. And where would you get a jury comprised of Rothschilds and people of that particular caliber and wealth? You won't find one, so the laws don't apply to them. And that's the history of the world. You see, it's not a pleasant picture, and I don't live in a pleasant world, the fantasy world of television and happy ads, where this toothpaste is going to give you an orgasm if you buy this one. Just look at that woman on the television. She just found everything she was looking for with that tube of toothpaste. As a little jingle song to go with it at the same time. I don't go along in that fantasy world. I don't watch the comedies. I don't watch whatever they give you because all, in fact, is propaganda. Within every comedy show, there's always little social messages of new think or, or correct think or political correctness all tied in with the actual shows themselves to alter your behavior through behavior modification. Very, very simple. Scientific socialism, scientific indoctrination, as Aldo Huxley said at Berkeley University. Look at the archive section of audio on my website to find those particular, um, the actual speech that he gave at Berkeley in the 1960s. Quite interesting. And get it from the horse's mouth. And read his book, Brave New World Revisited, where it was a non-fiction where he justifies why the scientific type dictatorship could last forever the public would never catch on to it. Now remember too, the phones are, are turned on now and you can call in and ask various questions. In the meantime, I'm going to go to another beautiful hero in the annals of history, a hero of the elite that is, and that was Thomas Malthus. Uh, Thomas Malthus it came out, he was, uh, he was actually coached like many of these guys, especially bred, of course, they made sure you had the right parents put together to breed them. And Rousseau and others and, and Locke and, and various ones and Hume all came to, to visit this little boy who was growing up and give him his indoctrination, became the top economist and brought out his treatise. It was an essay on the principle of population. All about 
being reiterated today. The last person to put a big book out about it with power was the grandson of Charles Darwin. That was that was Sir Galton, uh, Sir Charles Galton Darwin, in his book The Next Million Years, which was quite a boast for a far-range projection of the leak ruling the planet. Now the music's coming up again, and I'll be taking callers after the following messages. News, politics, cover-ups, government corruption. You're listening to We the People Radio Network. WTPRN. They'll lose it. They don't want to spook the herd. They want to make us all believe 
but the place that we end up had to be that way. It had to be in that direction. What else could they do at the top? Poor souls. They did the best they could. That's how it must be. And even when they crash the economy and so on, uh, they'll want the public to, to beg for help. And then they'll come up with all these dusty plans that's been on the shelves for 50, 60 years. So, so you don't, you, so what you're saying is, see, how I'm seeing it is that their mind control techniques and technology have to be, should be very, very advanced. They can't bring this to a, a quicker close than the slow incremental steps that they're taking? Well, you understand, to them, this is not slow. Remember that, that uh, the foundations often set up an agenda, uh, and they'll say that they're going to complete it in 200 years. Uh, when they set up uh, the different uh, uh, big foundations, like the Rockefeller Foundation, that gives out global citizenship awards to all your federal uh, government guys at the top, um, that's where allegiance to America. Uh, they tell you that they have got the speeches from from the Rockefeller Foundation themselves, with Rockefeller talking about the agenda quite openly. But they know that they must do it step by step without spooking the people. The people have to believe that everything that happens and all decisions that are made at the top have to be made that way. If they miss a particular step, they lose the sequence of it. We get kind of nervous. We start demanding answers. The way it's been done now, we don't actually demand answers. We sit back passively and listen to experts debate things in front of our faces on television. And so it's a psychological technique. But 100 years is nothing to them. You know, both Bertrand Russell um, and H.G. Wells and Lenin all wrote about 1910 uh, books in 1910, and each one of them, one working for the capitalist system, the other working for the other side of the coin, uh, the communist system, all trained by the same people and put in power by the same people and backed by them, they, they all said that this new system would start to, to, to take shape and be noticeable by the peoples of the West by the end of the millennium, the year 2000. They all said the same thing in their books, and that was written in 1910. So a hundred years is nothing to them to implement part of the step without losing control over the public. One one last question, Alan. Um, what do you, what would you think will be the scenarios of how this end game is going to come? Would, would it be crash the economy, start war, or? All of it. Uh, age of chaos. You see, it's order, order ab chaos, order out of chaos. And the more chaos they can appear to create, it can be more hype than real. Um, is all they have to do, and and have everybody running and, and worried and fretting and fuming, and then come forward with their plan. They don't have to actually do a lot of the stuff to you. They may or may not. It'll depend how we accept it. Uh, each step of this plan. <clears throat> so. It's up to to the public themselves. Now, more and more people are truly waking up. They're starting to see things as they are for the first time in their entire lives. They're seeing it from a whole different perspective. And and uh, they're starting to demand answers, not only from the, the ones at the top in the federal system, but even those in the local systems. They're demanding answers. They're demanding to know what organizations have already sworn fealty to and, uh, and what those organizations are associated with. Uh, where they go back to the United Nations, etc., etc., uh, and so you already you have a tremendous movement, especially amongst the young, 
who, who are not jaded by life, they're not beaten down with life, like most people are going through this worrisome system. And so the young who are going to take the brunt of it are the ones who will take the lead. They'll take over eventually. And the world that they want to create is a one-hour back, whichever way they want to go. Are, are you finding people coming around? Yes. Because... Uh, I I don't know. We we get sprayed heavy here in New Jersey. I I find the people what you was uh, just like you were saying before very apathetic. Lots of them are apathetic, but again, uh, I, I get because I'm who I am. I get so many calls coming in, information coming in. Uh, they're scattered, but they're all over the planet, and they're asking all the right questions. And their numbers are growing, as I say, especially amongst the younger people who have a right since we're going to live longer, hopefully, than anyone else, they have a right to start planning the kind of future they want, society they want. Okay? Okay. Thank Thanks you for, for calling in. Thank you for answering my question, Al. I'll keep on it. Now, I think we also have Deborah in Maryland. Are you there, Deborah? Yes, I am. Yes. Love your show. You I love the love show. show. I've told so many people to listen. Um, I'm not of of the younger generation um, yeah. I'm I'm in my I'm now 50 and um, you know uh, it is a, there is a lot of gloom out there there is a lot of apathy yeah. but you know the plus side is that there are other people out there like me and I've connected yes. with them and you know I want to run for public office I want to I want to Take on a Senate seat, and they're not going to like my my press conferences because they're going to be pretty much a lot of what you have spoken about, uh, among other people. Yep. Um, and I, you know, I guess I was lucky in the sense that I grew up in a military family, mm-hmm. and my father was military intelligence, yeah. and I listened to him. And I asked a lot of questions growing up. So I guess, you know, early on I had taken a red pill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. As I say, I think it was Bernard Baruch was the guy who first said that he was an advisor to President Wilson. He said, for everything the public's told, there's a very good reason, and then there's a real reason. Yeah. So you probably got more of the real reasons behind the scene. Exactly. Yeah. And And we're going back, you know, to to the Vietnam War and yeah. and that whole mess and and now I see what's going on now. Um, unfortunately, you know my father is still very much alive and he's aware yes. um, of what has has transpired. And uh, the day that nine eleven happened, I was on my way down to the Bronx Zoo where I volunteered on my day off. And I knew it was wrong. I'll tell you, hold on uh, for after the break and we'll talk some more. All right, thank you. Back in a, a couple of minutes. Okay.
I'm Alan Watt, back with Cutting Through the Matrix. And I have Deborah from Maryland on the line. And uh, could you continue, Deborah, with some of the things you're thinking about and seeing around you? Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, for people to, you know, not be apathetic, to not um, give up, it's, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a huge problem. But one person can make a difference. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm just a peasant, as it were, but those of us who are the peasants can rise up because we're, in, in terms of numbers, there are much more of us. So, yes, awaken other so-called peasants to what's really going on and, you know, rise up and, and believe for one, one moment in time that you can make a difference. And that if you speak out or if you uh, run for a public office, yeah, they won't like my press conferences one one bit yes. because I'm going to spell it out just like it is. And, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's well, the thing. And I, again, too, you see, we do need a new a new way of lost our way. Actually, we didn't lose it; we were led astray quite quite easily too. And uh, we were drugged and doped and, uh, and entertained and, uh, and worried at the same time and going round in circles and trying to get by. But we were led astray along a different path than the way we're supposed to have gone on. And the system was becoming more inhumane rather than more humane. And, and I uh, see that every day, don't you? That, it's every day, important. and the corruption is rampant, rampant at the top. It's, it's open, blatant corruption. And now, as I say, fascism was taught in schools at one time what it was, and that's the interlacing of big corporations, private corporations, with government, hand in glove. And, and you find these politicians. The politicians are in and out of these corporations as CEOs and back into politics. Exactly. This is true fascism, more so than we've seen it in the past, in fact. And, yeah. and, if, and if anybody Googles the 14 common traits of fascism, mm -hmm. this country is there. It's and there. it's been there for a while. That's right. You just didn't notice it because you were paying attention to the mainstream media. That's right. That's Who's right. You see, if they don't use the terms communism or fascism, and the media doesn't use those terms, they can tell you what they're doing, which is communistic or fascist, but if they don't use the terms, the public won't associate it with, with what it actually is. It's quite simple. And, and and if you speak to to people, which I do on a daily basis, um, and you start spelling it out, and you don't call it what it, what it really is, mm -hmm. they get that something's horribly wrong. Yes. Yeah. They, you know, and what I get from them is, but what can I do? I know. I know. And, what can and I, I said, do? Well, yeah. I'm running for senate, and they're <laughs> they're like. And uh, you're running for Senate? Mm -hmm. Well, why not? Yeah, I know. And what a, what a system, too. What a system where it takes so much money for any person to run. I mean, well, that, that's, that's, that's to exclude. Right there. That's, that's, that's a it, giveaway. Yeah. That's it. If a it's corporation can put you yeah. <laughs> into their, their site, mm -hmm. you're done. That's it. Don't accept any corporate donations. Yes. Do it all grassroots. Yeah, it has to be done grassroots. 
and that's the way it was meant to be in the first place, but it didn't take them long to get in with the old, old European system where the bankers and the big boys uh, back their, their favorite and uh, the favorite wins. But don't uh, you think, Alan, in a sense, that it was a setup from the start? I do, personally, yeah. Mm-hmm. I do, personally. I mean, uh, if you read the, 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 sto- the histories of Alexander Hamilton, yeah. who's pro- probably one of the most open psychopaths amongst them, yeah. and he's not liked because of that, even though he's the f- one of the few that told the truth. He did, actually. And he said to the he says, you know, the peasants are the peasants, and he said, when he's getting shown around at Jefferson's home, and Jefferson has shown me his, his heroes down through histories, down through the history of the world, and uh, and uh, Hamilton says, "Oh, my his, my my heroes are Caligula and Nero and uh, Alexander the Great, all the conquerors." He says, "Why not?" He said, "They changed the world," and uh, and the public uh, went along with it type of deal. And, and he says, "What would you rather have? One king in charge of the whole of the United States with a family to keep in wealth and luxury." Or, or thousands of bureaucrats or politicians with their families. It's just, and, and he was telling me, he was, he was asking an honest question, what would you rather have, uh, one tyrant king and, and his family or, or, or thousands of tyrants at the top? And that's what we have today with the thousands of tyrants at the top. That is exactly it. Yes. And, you know, and, it's, and you all go back to the, the, you know, the same crooks and criminals from, yes. From the beginning. Absolutely. It, nothing has changed. Nothing at all. And, and again, as I say, Professor Carl Quigley in, in his book, The Anglo-American Establishment, is quite blatant. He thought it was a fantastic idea. He, he believed he was an elitist himself and, and, uh, and that the elite should rule the world. And he spelled it all out. He fills in all the blank spots in history over the last couple of centuries and who backed the wars, who created the wars, and who profited from them. And what their end goal was. It's the same. It's all the same people. It is. Same family lineages. Uh Exactly. And if once you get your, um, somebody's head around that, Mm -hmm. then you've opened the door to their true freedom. Yes. You know, um, I don't, I don't see that, um, that the Americas are going to survive this. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see that, and, and that's a horrible feeling for me. Yes. I don't see that um, George Bush and his ilk mm-hmm. are, um, are in this empire-building scheme that they've got going down yeah. is going to be something that the people of my country are going to survive. We're going to be a third-world country. We're going to be a banana republic. Well, I know that Maurice Strong, who works in the United Nations, he's one of the technocrats that globe trots all over the place. Yeah. Uh, he said that at the, at the, I think it was the Air Summit, when he was asked about the rights. It was an American that asked him about the rights of people because it's all the rights of animals and so on and so on. Right. And he said, he said, the time we were finished, you'll wish you had the rights of a tree. Did he? He, he, really? he despises Americans. And, and you'll find the elite themselves, even though they're born there, they despise the ordinary American. Well, and I've, I've said to people that I encounter, um, George Bush is all about, you know, they'll say, oh, he's all about, it. he wants to bring democracy uh-huh. to the Middle East. I said, he wants to export it out of this country entirely. Yes. Which is uh-huh. true. It's true. Yeah. Um, his only ideals with, with, with regard to the Middle East is secure um, oil contracts. And that's correct. And um, 
there's no other, you know, whether you're looking at um, the so-called Democrat or Republican Party, no party is, um, there's no party. There's, there's, there's no party. This, I mean, which, really which bunch of, of multimillionaire lawyers do you want to vote for? Exactly. The ones on the left or the right? And this is the hardest thing that I've had to try and get across people who are, you know, um, quote-unquote Democratic um, people. Yeah. Um, they vote Democratic. They're about the anti-war movement. They're about all these other movements yeah. within, you know, the Democratic Party. And I say to them, well, what have, what have your people done? Yes. They have done nothing. No, and, and that's why I saw growing up in Britain, I'll have to say this. Yeah. In Britain, I, I studied the agenda uh, for the Royal Institute for International Affairs. Right. I realized that everything they planned and published openly in the 1940s and 50s, they were still working through, including the United Europe, as is back in 19, uh, 1960s and 70s. And I realized the whole world was going on the same course, regardless of what party appears to be in power. The agenda carries on unabated without halt. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And this is what is so difficult for people to get their heads around. Yeah. Got it. You can't. There is no party. There's no party. There's just this agenda. Mm -hmm. And the agenda is to destroy you Mm -hmm. and your family and anybody underneath them. Exactly. And to turn the entire globe, really, into a banana republic. But pretty well. Uh, see, the last vestige of a, even idea, even though taught down through the ages, of even a memory of what freedom is supposed to be, lies in the USA. And they have to eradicate even the memory of that. Isn't that so sad? Yes. I mean, I and that is what is so difficult for my father. Get us at, I mean... He is so depressed. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't have any uplifting news for him. No. Because the course that this whole thing is on, mm-hmm. you know, how do you how do you turn that around? My yes, and everyone's been used. Yeah. I think that's the end of the show coming up actually. Well thanks for calling in. Thank you so I, much I'm, for your time and I love your show. So tune in again. I will, every day. And for the other callers, sorry for not getting around to you. I'll try the next time. Call in again. For myself and Hamish up here in Ontario, Canada, where the snow is coming down, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you. Thank you, Alan. Thank you. <laughs>